Welcome to a City Reading, Cork City Library's talking newsletter of library news and features. I'm Glenn, and our readers in this episode are myself, Claire, Anne, Caroline, and Cork City Library's writer-in-residence, Tina Pisco. This episode is a special one, to Mark Ireland Reads, a national day to celebrate reading on the 25th of February. This episode features a profile of Ireland Reads celebrations, Help Your Child's Reading Take Flight at Cork City Libraries, a review of The Noise of Time by Julian Barnes, Hidden Gems on Borrow Box, and Tina Pisco reads her short story, Imagine This, Imagine That. Hello and welcome to Cork City Libraries. Thursday, February 25th, has been designated a national day to celebrate reading. People of all ages are invited to get reading as part of a public library's initiative called Ireland Reads. Collaborating with publishers, booksellers, authors and other bodies under the government's Keep Well campaign, the aim is to celebrate reading and all the benefits reading provides in terms of well-being and enjoyment. A dedicated website, www.irelandreads.ie, has been set up where you can pledge to read on the day and find recommendations based on your area of interest. Indeed, the website has been compared to a couch to 5k for books, where you can enter your favourite type of book along with how long you would like to read and it will offer a suitable book suggestion and work out how long it will take to complete. Likewise, library members can access the Library Borrow Box service online and choose from an excess of 44,000 e-books and 33,000 e-audiobooks. Library members can also access online magazines through ORB Digital and online newspapers through Press Reader. Check out www.corkcitylibraries.ie for more information on these great services. Numerous well-known campaign ambassadors from various fields have joined the Ireland Reads campaign and you can discover what reading means to them and why they support this initiative. Our president, Michael D. Higgins, in his support for Ireland Reads, refers to the opportunity for people to rediscover, or even discover for the first time, the joy of reading and the well-being it guarantees. He alludes to the difficult times during COVID and how a book can become a friend for life. His belief is that there can be no greater gift than the gift of reading. Indeed, research proves that reading for pleasure can combat fatigue and anxiety associated with COVID. Books are the portal to a wider universe. We at Cork City Libraries look forward to welcoming you back to our libraries whenever it is safe to do so. In the meantime, why not rely on books to help you get through lockdown? So come along and squeeze in a read on February 25th for Ireland Reads. More information is available on www.irelandreads.ie and also 
on corkcitylibraries.ie. Take care and thank you. Helping Your Little One's Reading Take Flight at Cork City Libraries by Eileen Cassidy. At Cork City Libraries, we believe that the reading experience begins long before a child masters the mechanics of reading words on a page. Early exposure to books and stories is key to developing a lifelong love of reading. Sharing songs, rhymes and stories with babies and toddlers lays the groundwork for preparing children to take their first independent steps in reading. Having books to hold and pages to turn gives babies and toddlers an understanding of how a book works. Being read to lets children understand that there is a connection between the pictures in a book and the words that they cannot yet decipher for themselves. Spending time reading with your baby or toddler can be a special time for both of you. For busy families, sharing a story can be a way to unwind with your child at bedtime. For others, you might like to use reading as a way to create some quiet time in the middle of the day. Children's library mascot, Red, knows a baby who loves to read at breakfast time. Whatever works for you and your child is the right reading time for you. Babies and toddlers love to imitate older children and adults. If they see you reading, they will want to join in. By being a reading role model, you can introduce a young child to a lifetime love of reading. It doesn't matter what you read. The newspaper, magazines, fiction bestsellers, non-fiction books. What is important is that your child sees adults or older siblings enjoying reading and is encouraged to join in. Young children love repetition. You may find your baby loves to read the same book over and over again. You may get to the point where everyone in your house can remember the words without looking at them. This is part of a child's reading experience. Your baby is remembering the rhythm and the sounds and is learning that there is a connection between the words and the pictures. Your baby is also remembering the words of the story and will begin to feel like they are able to read it themselves. This is an important step in building pre-literacy skills. As your toddler begins talking, they will be able to hold their favourite book and tell the story from memory. They will feel like they are reading. With no minimum joining age, Cork City Libraries encourages exposure to stories, books, rhymes and songs from birth and we provide a collection of quality books to support this. We offer a range of free activities for babies and toddlers with the aim of promoting the development of pre-literacy skills that will equip children with the tools needed to enjoy success when they begin to learn to read in a more formal way. Our experienced staff are always ready to help you and your baby find the right book for you to enjoy together. Our locations are Grand Parade Library, Tory Top Library, Glanmire Library, Mayfield Library, Hollyhill Library, Blackpool Library, Blarney Library, Ballancolig Library, Douglas Library and Bishopstown Library. The Noise of Time by Julian Barnes A book review by Dr. Serka Fogarty At only 184 pages, The Noise of Time is a brief but compelling novel dedicated to the Russian composer Dmitry Shostakovich, his first novel since the best-selling, Man Booker Prize-winning, The Sense of an Ending. The Guardian states that with this compact work, Barnes has given us a novel that is powerfully affecting, a condensed masterpiece that traces the lifelong battle of one man's conscience, one man's art, with the insupportable exigencies of totalitarianism. The book centres on the Russian composer Dmitry Shostakovich and gives us a fictional account of the life of Shostakovich under Stalinism. 
It seems that Barnes borrows the title of his novel from the Russian poet Osip Mandelstam's prose work of 1925, The Noise of Time. Osip was arrested by Stalin's government during the repression of the 1930s and sent into internal exile with his wife. Later, he was sentenced to five years in a corrective labour camp in the Soviet Far East. He died that year at a transit camp near Vladivostok. The theme at the centre of Mandelstam's The Noise of Time is the problem of remembering across the void of revolution. Where for happy generations the epic speaks in hexameters and chronicles, I have merely the sign of the hiatus, and between me and the age there lies a pit, a moat, filled with clamorous time, the place where a family and reminiscences of a family ought to have been. The Soviet composer Dmitry Shostakovich is a man remembering in Barnes's The Noise of Time, a novel that mixes fiction and biography, memory and myth. As noted by one critic, Barnes follows Mandelstam's example by writing in brief sections, some no more than a sentence or two long. The novel is set in 1936, and Shostakovich, just 30, fears for his livelihood and his life. Stalin, hitherto a distant figure, has taken a sudden interest in his work and announced his latest opera. Now, certain he will be exiled to Siberia, or, more likely, executed on the spot, Shostakovich reflects on his predicament, his personal history, his parents, various women and wives, his children, and all who are still alive themselves, hang in the balance of his fate. And though a stroke of luck prevents him from becoming yet another casualty of the Great Terror, for decades to come, he will be held fast under the thumb of despotism, made to represent Soviet values at a cultural conference in New York City, forced into joining the party and compelled constantly to weigh appeasing those in power against the integrity of his music. In 1984, Julian Barnes's Flaubert's Parrot presented us with a narrator who astutely observes that history often behaves like a piglet evading capture, making those who chase after it look ridiculous in the process. How do we seize the past? Can we ever do so? When I was a medical student, some pranksters at the end of the term dance released into the hall a piglet, which had been smeared with grease. It squirmed between legs, evaded capture, squealed a lot. People fell over trying to grasp it, and were made to look ridiculous in the process. The past often seems to behave like that piglet. We all have a desire to understand the past, its people, its events, the feelings shared, the beliefs held, but it evades us at every turn. We have always been fascinated by musical figures in particular, holding our heroes dear and mourning their passing as if they were close friends. Music has a way of infiltrating our souls like no other art form, and musicians become at once gods and companions as their work sits so closely within us that we feel we know them. For example, David Bowie's touring museum exhibit, David Bowie Is, displaying history, artefacts and information about the life, music, films, tours and art of the musician, ran for five years, stopped at 12 museums around the world and attracted over 2 million visitors. Guided tours flood the street outside his old Berlin apartment, and it is just an example of the significance we attach to the accoutrements of the hero cult. In a desperate attempt to know our heroes better, we seek out as much as we can about their private lives and their methods of working. However, despite the many material items left behind, death masks, instruments once played, locks of hair, manuscripts, letters and memoirs, they themselves remain stubbornly unknowable. The Noise of Time is an intimate narrative of the workings of Shostakovich's mind as we see Shostakovich at the worst times of his life, his nighttime vigils at the elevator door in May 1937, waiting for the NKVD to come and arrest him, 
the humiliating trip he was forced to undertake to America in 1949 as part of a Soviet peace delegation, and the occasion of his being pressured into joining the Communist Party in 1960. But because his mind constantly flits back to earlier years, the narrative offers us, even if only in fictionalised form, something we do not already have, a steady line which presents a connection of the young Shostakovich with the old. Barnes's aide Shostakovich wondered what the young man with the skittering mind would have made of the old man staring out from the backseat of his chauffeured car. This precisely is what we want to imagine when we read this book. What happened to the vibrant, brilliant boy as he survived the horrors of Stalinism and war, found himself embraced by Soviet power, and grew into his difficult, infirm old age? Shostakovich's music is full of perturbations and characterised by sharp contrasts and it seems to be one of the primary reasons why the figure of Shostakovich himself is simultaneously so attractive and enigmatic as we endeavour to understand the brilliant but tortured mind behind the music. Typically, of any published work, the novel is not without its detractors. However, the negative criticisms of the book can point us in the direction of discovering even more about Shostakovich's remarkable life. As one critic writes, those who seek to better understand the era in which Shostakovich lived and its repressive impact on the arts may love this book. Those who want to understand Shostakovich may gain more insight by reading his published letters to his friend Isaac Lichtman. Those who seek an innovative approach to writing biographically of the composer might go to Wendy Lesser's music for silenced voices, Shostakovich and his 15 quartets. The Noise of Time is nonetheless a riveting and bold piece of work and more than worth reading for its depiction of how tyrants irrationally exerted their authority over artistically creative geniuses, and Barnes's estimable efforts to give us a rare insight into a relentlessly fascinating man. Available now on Barbox. Hidden Gems on Barbox My name is Anne and I am a reader. I am sure that many, many of you listening here, like me, find reading as natural as breathing. The stories I have read have been constant companions through my life. At the same time, I like technology. So unlike a lot of my fellow readers, when e-books and e-readers came on the scene, I did not worry that e-books meant the death of the book. I looked upon it as more reading. I got a Kindle and it became my main source and method of reading. Of course, libraries were on the ball and quickly introduced services to provide e-books and e-audiobooks to readers free with their library membership. Currently, our e-books and e-audiobooks are provided by BorrowBox. A reader can use BorrowBox on a desktop computer or laptop or on a phone or tablet using the BorrowBox app. I am a big fan of the BorrowBox app. I always find something new and interesting. I love the convenience of it, the range of books available, I love that when you reserve a book, you have a guaranteed delivery date, not like a normal library book, which can be kept out indefinitely by a reader. I love the Borrow Now feature, which highlights items that are available right away. Borrowbox keep their collections up to date with Irish writers, including their back catalogues. You will find works by John Banville, David Park, Edna O'Brien, Dermot Bolger, Maeve Binchy, Sebastian Barry, Kevin Barry, Elizabeth Bowen, and more, should you fancy a reread of an old favourite or a first-time read of an upcoming Irish writer. On my to-read list in the app are Sarah Baum, Catherine Ryan Howard, Rachel Donoghue, Kathleen McMahon, Sinead Gleeson, Helen Cullen, Elaine Feeney. I can't wait. I have never been a fan of audiobooks, 
but I have found that bestsellers and high demand items that may have long waiting times in ebook format can often be immediately available as an e audiobook. For example, I got Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens, The Thursday Murder Club by Richard Osman, Shuggy Bane by Douglas Stewart, immediately on e audiobooks with no queue. Indeed, The Testaments by Margaret Atwood was available as an e-audiobook months and months before the e-book version, while the publishers debated the rights. I have grown to enjoy e-audiobooks now during lockdown and Covid, to accompany my walks, all within my five kilometres of course. I love browsing through the genres on Barbox, and I would like to share with you today some authors who may be little known, well they certainly were for me before I began my Barbox journey. T. Greenwood is an American author who writes in a similar vein to Anne Tyler, Pat Conroy or Diane Chamberlain. I particularly enjoyed her novels set around two rivers, Vermont. Families, lives, loves and secrets are the dominant themes. Check out Two Rivers or Breathing Water. Sarah Bailey is an Australian crime writer who would appeal to fans of Anne Cleves, Jane Casey, Tana French or any of the Scandi crime writers. Check out The Dark Lake, book one in the Gemma Woodstock series. Pamela Watson is a travel writer whose book Esprit de Batuta recounts her journey cycling across Africa in the mid-90s. Her style is engaging and informative. Esprit de Batuta is available on Barbox. DK Fields is the pen name of English writing partnership David Towsey and Catherine Stansfield. Together they write a mashup crime and fantasy style that has been garnering rave reviews. Fans of Neil Gaiman or Ben Aronovich might like these. Check out Widow's Welcome. A debut writer to look out for is Tola Ratimi Abraham, whose novel Black Sunday is available on Barbox. Set in Lagos, Nigeria, it is a story of sisterhood and family and overcoming adversity. Another debut writer is Derek Owusu, a North London writer whose novel That Reminds Me chronicles the story of a child in care and how he navigates through life. I hope you have enjoyed these recommendations and if you haven't already, that you might be tempted to try Barbox for yourself. You can join your local library online for free and access Barbox with all its hidden gems. Happy reading. Today I'm going to read you a story from my collection Sunrise, Sunset and Other Fictions. And it's called Imagine This, Imagine That. Imagine this. You are hot, tired and bothered. You've been driving for five hours with two little girls in the back seat. You have sung the entire libretto of Mary Poppins, several rounds of the wheels on the bus told stories while watching for the exit signs, played I spy with my little eye, and now you're stuck in a traffic jam. The line of trucks and cars creeps towards the roundabout, inch by roasting inch. You glance at the dashboard and are relieved to see that the temperature is holding. The last thing you need is a burst radiator. The two little girls in the back are singing and giggling, linking hands above their seatbelts, swaying back and forth. Make new friends, but keep the old. One is silver and the other's gold. Laura, eight, 
has become a brownie this year and is teaching her little sister Louise, age six, the Girl Scout ways on the long car trip home. Make new friends, but keep the old. One is silver and the other's gold. The car is heavy with the smells of the picnic you bought that morning. Sweet peaches, ripe bananas, and a hint of sourness that tells you that the yogurt has probably split. The food sits sweating in a plastic bag on the passenger seat. The idea had been to eat it on the deck as you sailed away, but the tail back to the ferry port was so long that you caved when the girls spotted McDonald's. The Happy Meals occupied them for about 10 minutes before they started bickering over who had the best toy. You kept yourself from snapping and reminded them that good Girl Scouts don't bicker, they share. The singing is better than the bickering, but only just. Your heart lifts as the traffic picks up speed and goes through the roundabout. You see the big blue signs announcing the exit for the ferry up ahead. 100 yards further, and the traffic grinds to a dead halt. Horns blare. A few people get out of their cars and crane their necks to see ahead, shading their eyes, then return, shrugging their shoulders and shaking their heads. The girls start, stop singing and start yelling the Girl Scout code. I promise to do my duty to serve God and my country to help other people every day, especially those at home. You cut the engine, lie back and close your eyes, joining in the chant. I promise to do my duty to serve God and my country to help other people every day, especially those at home. Mom, Louise screeches, Laura is rolling down her window. I only opened it a little bit. I just want to talk to the little girl. Look, she has a door atop, says Laura. What's your name? She shouts out the crack at the top of the window. You look and see a little girl sitting on the side of the road, dressed in a pink Dora the Explorer t-shirt and dirty pink leggings. Laura and Louise are waving their Dora dolls and laughing. The little girl waves back and gets up. She is no older than five. She has a big, bright smile and a cascade of brown curls that bounce as she points to her mouth and then makes the universal sign for a drink. Can we give her some juice? She's thirsty. It can be our good day deed for the day, says Louise. Laura doesn't wait for your answer. She sticks her arm out the window and offers her juice pack to the little girl, who claps her hands and runs up to take it. Her eyes dart around the car as she sucks on the straw. She rubs her belly and says, Nyam, nyam. The girls laugh. She rubs her belly again and points to the bag. I, I think she's hungry, Mum, says Laura, sounding a bit unsure. What do you do? Do you stay in the car? Do you check the traffic line? Do you look around for her parents? Or do you just grab a peach and go to her? Let's say you do. The little girl thanks you for the peach and eats it greedily, letting the juice run down her chin. You automatically take a tissue from your pocket and wipe it clean. Where's your mama? You ask. The little girl points to a bush which shudders as a woman emerges. Mary, come back here. We will lose the game if you don't hide. The woman is young and slender. Her brown curls are tied back from her face with a flowered scarf. She strolls up, smiling, 
and scoops the little girl in her arms, murmuring endearments in a language that sounds like drizzled honey. The little girl wriggles away and runs to join Laura and Louise, who have brought out the plastic bag. Laura spreads out the car blanket and sits the two Dora dolls on it. We're having a picnic! You stand on the side of the road in the blazing heat and watch the three little girls eating and giggling. They could be sisters. You're so tired and hot and bothered. The sweat pools between your shoulder blades, making your shirt stick to your back. Your throat is dry and scratchy. You feel a pounding in your chest that muffles the beeping horns, idling engines, and car radios. You don't know what to do. Let's keep it simple. You get two juice packs. You hand one to the woman, and you tell her your name. She accepts and says, my name is Sophia. Mary runs back to her mother, her mouth full and smiling, grabs her hand and pulls her back to the picnic. You follow and sit on the edge of the blanket. You offer Sophia a limp sandwich. She nibbles the sandwich and sips at the juice straw as if she was in an elegant tea shop. Sophia looks up and winks. She thinks it's a game, she whispers, still smiling as if you were just two mothers exchanging pleasantries at a garden fete. You don't understand. You've seen the news reports, but you still don't understand. So she brings out a photograph from her pocket. You take it and see a handsome young man in a yellow tank top sitting on a low stone wall in the shade of an overhanging vine. My husband, he is in Birmingham, staying with my uncle and auntie. Each night we try and hide in a trailer or a truck. I tell Mary that it is a game we must play to get to her daddy. When we get caught, they drive us to the end of the motorway and we have to walk back. You turn the photograph over and see an address. Is it nice in Birmingham? She asks. You've never been, but you tell her it's lovely. Your daughters are singing again, teaching little Mary to cross her arms and link hands with them as they belt out, make new friends. That is a very beautiful song. Friendship is beautiful, Sophia says, getting up. We need to get going. It takes two hours to walk back to the jungle. It is a fine day for a walk. Thank you for your kindness. The sound of traffic goes up a notch. You still have the photograph in your hand. Sophia reaches out and takes it back. She calls Mary, who comes instantly, no quibbling. The traffic starts slowly moving up ahead. You can hear a distant cheer as car horns beep and engines rev. It's time to go. What do you do? Do you call her back and give her the rest of the picnic as you bundle the girls in the car? Do you watch them walk away, Mary turning back every now and then to wave? as you strap on your seatbelt? Do you pray they will be safe? Do you hope they will be gone from view soon because you don't know if you can bear driving past them? Or do you do something beautiful? Imagine that. That's all for now. For information, opening hours, or contact details about Cork City Libraries, visit our website at www.corkcitylibraries.ie or follow us on social media channels. Music is by Chris Toomey from his album Midnight on the Water. Thanks for listening. Slán!